0: Welcome to the Pages to Pictures podcast, the show where we discuss the art of adaptation from one storytelling medium into another. Each episode revolves around a single film based on pre-existing stories or franchises and asks three questions specific to the adaptation. Your hosts are James Janowski, giant Cincinnati Reds fan, screenwriter and screenwriting instructor at the School of Visual Arts in New York City and Screen Experience at ScreenExperience.com. Skid Marr, a founding member of the Glass Cannon Network, podcaster extraordinaire, and a guy who gets paid to play role-playing games. And Andy Schmidt, former Marvel Comics editor, writer of comics, graphic novels, video games, children's books, former director of intellectual property and development at Hasbro, and founder of the online comic book school, Comics Experience. Now get ready for the nerdiest podcast in history. And welcome to Pages to Pictures. Welcome to Pages to Pictures. I'm one of the hosts, Andy Schmidt, along with the other hosts, James and Skid. How are you guys doing? Hello. I'm great.
1: Hello. Maximum effort.
0: <laughs> so today we will be talking about Deadpool 2 and we will be talking about some of the source material um from from which the storylines and the characters are are pulled from Uh, in this case it's a little bit more difficult because it's not so much specific comics in most cases uh so much as it is really discussing characters and how the characters are are adapted from one medium to another um but the first thing that i think we should do before we get strictly into each of these characters is talk about the fact that this is not an adaptation of x-force or of cable like this is in a deadpool movie so i think we should probably talk about what that means kind of in and of itself because it forms sort of a larger context for how the adaptation process would work since there is a deadpool one it's already established its tone and kind of what it does which is a little bit different do you guys have any uh thoughts on how you sort of categorize or differentiate the first Deadpool, and I guess by extension, the second one from, say, one of the other X Men films that are out there.
2: Well, I think the way I was thinking about this, leaving the theater yesterday after I saw it, and there's a very kind of Warner Brothers feel to Deadpool, and he's actually kind—I of, think it was kind of a cross between Bugs Bunny and Yosemite Sam, because like he has like that kind of the the wisecracking wink to the audience. Uh, smart-alecky thing that Bugs Bunny has, um, but Bugs Bunny is so rarely uh, like uh, the f- 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 suffers physically, you know, from these, those things that go on. Whereas 70, a guy like 70 Sam, a foil to Bugs Bunny gets it all the time. Like, he'll get a crate of dynamite blows up in his face, like his hair burns off, and the next scene, he's fine. Deadpool's the same thing. So, he's in control of the situation. I was going to say, like, he's more like Daffy Duck, because Daffy Duck does suffer physically a lot, you know, in his the thing but Daffy Duck the humor comes from his frustration at not being in control of the situation
1: Bugs Bunny is in control of the situation and Deadpool like has that same vibe allow me to say this is the best thing I've heard so far (laughs) I I never in a while when we started this conversation I never thought we'd be talking about Daffy Duck (laughs) and, and, and somebody stand. But I, but I like if you're talking Deadpool, right? I think that makes, makes like, sense. Right, right, and,
0: and in comparison with the other X-Men films, I mean, pretty clearly Wolverine is is Daffy Duck. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, I'm kidding. But
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, that really is a great analogy. I'm so glad we didn't talk about that beforehand, so I could be legitimately surprised slash impressed. Uh, <laughs> which typically <laughs> I very am. very hard to impress. So. surprised very. or impressed. Yes. Uh well, that's that's awesome. That's it, as you're
2: saying it.
1: I'm like, uh-huh, "Uh-huh." That oddly tracks. I'd even put in a yes. dash of Wiley Coyote in there too.
2: Yeah, there's some Wiley Coyote, you know, and Roadrunner. Yeah. He's like a cross between like yeah. Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner. You know.
0: <laughs> that's that's so perfect. Thanks everyone. Right, done.
2: <laughs> that too, discuss. You know, so in that viewing it through that lens, everything has a kind of everything we're seeing everything kind of through deadpool's eyes which is this cartoonish kind of remove uh that's not true of any other superhero property so um so that like it, we're in his world and yeah uh, and
1: that's reinforced he, with the narration
2: yeah, totally yeah
1: you know it's interesting you brought up the looney tunes i actually uh kept thinking about at least in in deadpool 2 about Mel Gibson's performance in Lethal Weapon, and he had that kind of death wish after his uh his wife had had uh, been murdered, and he was suicidal and a little crazed. And I, I got that same kind of impression from uh, Wade Wilson in this film. Yeah, that's true too.
0: And in the original Lethal Weapon, Martin Riggs imitates the Three Stooges, not the Looney Tunes.
2: Yeah, right. Just right. just saying. But isn't there, isn't there a Looney Tunes reference in Lethal Weapon? There also, is, right? isn't yeah, there a "That's all, yeah. folks"? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah ahead of its time. <laughs> Lethal Weapon, truly <laughs> referencing older things. This did. Um, well, it, no, this is this is sort of fascinating. So, from, and the comic books are like that too. But, 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 Deadpool in the comics had to make a journey because his first appearance back in new mutants 98? 98 yeah. i think uh, if memory Believe serves it is. and this is this is this is like the the heart of the 1990s and and cable who's in this movie was, was first appeared in new mutants number 87 um, and to a certain degree they both certainly cable but, but both of them to a certain degree like epitomize like the height of what was going on in superhero comics in in 1990. And whereas cable is the stoic yeah like my favorite thing about stoic is he or, or about cable <laughs> uh about cable is like you know he's that hardened guy from the future he's got the metal arm he's got all those tropes he's got guns that are too big for a human being to lift and and you know and he's got the 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 stereotypical like scar through the eye, but like it's 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 all of those things, but then they're all expanded. The guns are the biggest guns that any superhero has, you know like he's. He's from the future and he's grimmer and grittier than any other. And he doesn't just have one scar through the eye. He has three scars (laughs) through the same eye. it's amazing. And it's just it's just so he's just so pumped up that way. And 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 while he has also evolved in Marvel Comics, he has taken a very different path. Like some of that, a lot of that stuff is sort of toned down, but that's that's baked into who he is. You know, like, the over-the-topness of him is part of who he is, whereas Deadpool, like, first appeared, and he was basically, he was just a mercenary that looked kind of like Spider-Man and shot people a lot. Um, and then his character evolved and became, they started leaning into to more of the, the humor principles with him, and then, and then, you know, the, like, he can't die stuff and all of that stuff all sort of evolved over time until, in the comics, it got to the point where where it was satirical of other Marvel comics. And so it took on that same sort of thing where some Deadpool comics like kind of exist outside of the Marvel universe. And he's like sort of aware that he's in mm-hmm. a comic um, the way that, that in the film, they've adapted that to where he's aware he's in the film, or at least the film is aware he's in the film or something. <laughs> um, so it's, so it's interesting. You know, I think that that's a pretty it's interesting to just see that like he he was fairly stereotypical like mercenary character and then he just evolved uh you know the creators just sort of ran with him and turned and he wound up becoming this thing and there were a lot of different creators in the comics that wound up working on on his story and on different takes on him and and it really did evolve into this thing that that sorta of fits and sort of doesn't. And I like that the the movie, like within the Marvel universe, like he sort of fits and sort of doesn't. And like some Deadpool stories, like probably don't actually take place in the Marvel universe. Certainly Deadpool kills the Marvel universe, doesn't take place <laughs> in the Marvel Universe. Um but then in the in the movie they do like this this sort of similar thing where like they reference all the other X-Men movies, or several of them at least. But is it the same? universe like and, and i don't think there needs to be an answer to that right yeah like but it's very very you know it, it's well that's
2: different. the thing like i can't see deadpool making a cameo in an x-men movie because i just don't know how that would work i'd love it but I just, I don't know how, but I, I did love that little scene where he's like, how, to, how come every time I come to the X-Mansion, it's only you three people here. It's like the studio couldn't afford to get everyone else. And they turn around and like everyone's hiding like, in the room. I was just like, oh, this is a great joke. And I was like, oh, wait, and then they all actually are. Hmm. <laughs> but he, he doesn't you can't
1: i don't think he fits in the he certainly totally like he doesn't fit in the you know the other yeah, i could, the i could see him fitting into an x-men movie i i think he would you know obviously he'd be a supporting character and he'd have to be the comic relief which i think sometimes that series needs <laughs> i i think i think, oh, I think yeah. he could fit as what do <laughs> you mean? what do you mean <laughs> <laughs> oh i don't know um but, uh <laughs> But uh, yeah, I think I think he I think he could fit in there. I think I think he could work. It, but he'd have to be, you know, a secondary character, just um, you know, helping whatever the the, the main character of the X Men is to finish whatever you know, conquer whatever they have to conquer or, or stop. Um, but I could see it. I could, I could see it. But uh, he would. Um, you would have to be careful with the way that you use him in in the film, though.
0: Yeah, I think I think what would be really interesting is if you. Uh, and this is so off topic, but it would be really interesting for Deadpool to show up in an X Men film, where Deadpool is aware that he's in a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like
2: that's the thing. He,
0: like, and, like he talks about like how lazy, you know, the writing is or or whatever. Like he does <laughs> in this one, and everybody else is just looking at him like he's completely off his rocker. Yeah. Right.
2: That's yeah, like, you'd
0: have to play it. You'd have to play the, you could still play the X-Men straight and they just look at it like this guy is
1: nuts. Yeah. yeah he, uh, it would be interesting if he was like the, the, the narrator, the, uh, the unifying device within an X-Men movie, that would be kind of interesting. Uh, I'm not quite how well it would work, but, uh, he would definitely make, uh, make it interesting.
2: Yeah. That's the thing. Cause that's the, that's why I, I would have trouble envisioning him making that crossover is because of breaking the fourth wall. Mm-hmm. But Andy, yeah. Cause that, cause that's kind of the in canon explanation for why he acts that way is that he is insane. Right. So that's how so, they,
0: that's how they kind of use him in the comics when he, you know, cause he's been a part of X-Force and he's, he's been around in, in the regular comics and they, and they don't do that exactly. But, but yeah, like, I mean, nobody wants him around and he's a loose cannon and, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> seemingly suicidal and all that sort of stuff. So it's it, it it's a it's a fine line to walk. I think it is, you know, like in in a certain way, uh, you know, I can't. I came out of the first Deadpool movie. I had I had enjoyed it, but I was like, well, they kind of ruined Colossus. Like, Col- because Colossus is in this Deadpool movie, like you pretty much can't use him in a regular X Men movie now because you probably don't want to blur those lines that that much. But also, like Colossus is like while kind of not okay with indiscriminate murder, he's also, like, he just kind of lets Deadpool go at the Mm -hmm. end. Like He's murdered, like, a thousand people in that movie. And Colossus (laughs) is like, well, you're a mutant. (laughs) (laughs) He's just like, well, that's so untrue to who Colossus is, but in the context of this is a Deadpool movie, and Deadpool movies are wacky and weird and really kind of nonsensical, like, it, it. it kind of works like it's okay um yeah I th- and so that's sort of the lens that you just kind of have to like you know blur it all th- you know it's all sort of blurred into this into Deadpool vision
1: yeah I I think a Colossus could work in the other films if they had him change back into being human rather than being you know powered up the entire movie and eating cereal at the at the table like in the first one right off the bat and you're like going why is he in his, his metal form while he's eating cereal? Um, I was like, that well, doesn't just, make any sense.
0: Uh, it was clearly right after the mutant massacre. And exactly.
2: Was I was just about to say, he couldn't transform back.
0: Uh, form, like, I mean, any fool knows
2: that. Oh, geez. Oh, boy. <laughs> Sorry about that. Nerd brief. pare <laughs> has Magneto to try to fix his spine when he was in metal form. Yeah, uh, that was
0: that was the second time he killed somebody. Right, he killed Riptide. Yeah, he killed Riptide. Huh.
2: That's right. Yeah, make peace with I your gods, little man. You are next.
0: Oh well, yeah, that's where he threatens harpoon. Right. Like, first of all, don't name yourself
1: harpoon because that's a bad name. I'm right. gonna go Even make lunch. I'll talk to you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'll let you guys have a moment. Um, but I can that's start. A-
2: <laughs> I was, I was gonna, well, I was just gonna say that uh, it's funny that you said that. I didn't. It, it didn't occur to me about Colossus just letting him indiscriminately kill people because w- one of the points that I wanted to bring up was that even though this is basically a satire, it, for so many of these characters, I thought that they a- were able to nail the way those characters I thought should have felt all along, uh, like. Colossus I thought like that is the best version of Colossus that they've done and he's barely gotten any like playtime you know it's a little like scene in x-men 2 that was basically it but it was just like they finally it's like oh, that that's Colossus like they finally got Colossus right um juggernaut um which I I'm sad that I heard a rumor that he was in the movie beforehand I wish I'd been completely surprised but that was awesome like he was in the movie and he was Juggernaut. Is that when he called yeah, Colossus a I commie? I yeah, I, I, I just heard like a rumor about it. But like when he called uh, uh, Colossus a commie, like at one point when he was fighting, he was like, Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> like, uh I just but
0: Yeah, and and for and for nerds like us, skid, like they, they actually set that up pretty decently by having Black Tom Cassidy in the the prison, right? Who was Juggernaut's original Partner, and then and then doing all the all the jokes with Black Tom's name was was
2: pretty. That was very funny. That <laughs> yeah, was pretty great. I was really good just calling
0: people racist. Terrible. Yeah, we're <laughs> <laughs> killing Black Tom. <laughs> 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 oh,
2: uh, uh, I was dying laughing, was so funny. <laughs> and also, it's like a it's a total like misdirect too, because you are like, oh, this is Black Tom Cassidy, like he's gonna be the villain of the movie, and I'm like, no, they just shoot him. <laughs> great
0: i love it yeah well and it's interesting too i mean i think you know my thinking didn't go to joggernaut when they when they went to the you know the, the 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 mutant in the basement or the creature in the basement like who did you think? think of like well that was the that was sort of the thing i was well i was thinking like well who's it gonna be and i think i wasn't thinking joggernaut because he'd appeared before because he was in x-men three you know whatever 15 years ago or whatever yeah so i think like my brain just sort of took him off the map and then i was thinking like what's the sort of the craziest you know Deadpoolish thing you could do and not like my mind's going to like krakoa the island that lives (laughs) like i was i was looking for like i was looking for like a monster that that you know like some sort of monster mutant or you know or going the opposite and i was thinking like well maybe this is where they introduce lockheed like Lockheed was originally
2: in oh. the
0: comics. Cause if you if if you remember The James, Dragon.
2: Magic <laughs> Dragon when,
0: when Lockheed the Dragon was introduced, it was during the brood storyline that Paul Smith illustrated. Mm-hmm. And like Kitty Pride has run around for her life on this alien ship, and then this dragon like she basically turns a corner, and this dragon is there and he's breathing fire and all the brood like go run away, run away, flee you know, like Monty <laughs> Python style. They're like they fly away and and then Kitty like turns around and then this tiny little dragon like flies up and, <laughs> friends her. and that's how Lockheed that's how Lockheed first appears and it's like this great you know it's this great misdirect entrance and I was thinking like well maybe they'll do something like that and they'll introduce Lockheed in here which would be which would be great um so anyway so that's kind of a, that, that yeah that's where my brain went because I'm a nerd yeah. I guess. I don't
1: know. Sadly, I, I also heard that the juggernaut was in the film. And so I, um, you know, when he said the big pile of bleep of foreshadowing, I was like, Ugh, <laughs> I know exactly what he's talking about. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But uh, I, they did get, yeah. I think they did get the juggernaut right. And uh, I, I have to be honest, there was moments where because there were so many storylines um, going on that when they went, go to Russell, trying to uh, spoiler or kill the, the headmaster, I'm like, mm-hmm. no, I want to go outside and watch the Juggernaut and Colossus fight. I don't want to see yeah. this. I don't care about this. I, I, I want to see them two go at it. That's kind of cool. That's 10-year-old yeah. James going, my God, yes.
2: That so, was um,
1: pretty badass. That was pretty yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> I was very happy with that. So, so yeah, the, uh, the, the whole Russell killing the headmaster thing just uh, fell a little flat when, when, when there was all this other more interesting stuff going on, I thought, outside of the uh, the school.
2: Yeah. Well that uh, was a misdirect yeah. too. That was a, because you think uh because it's like Essex school for wayward boys or or whatever it is. And so you think right. oh it's it's Mr. Sinister. He's maybe right. he's who, the who they
0: set up at the end of X-Men Apocalypse. Right.
2: Right. Away, right. That mm-hmm. post-credit right. scene. Right. Um
0: and I think they use Essex in that. They don't call they don't like call him Mr. Sinister.
2: Yeah, yeah. It yeah. is as silly. It is, it is silly. <laughs>
0: um but yeah, but but it, but it's interesting because like there is sort of that that touchstone point. That, but and it's not like there aren't plenty of touchstone points between the the, the X Men franchise and, and Deadpool. I mean, they're clearly living adjacent to each other. Um, and the X Men franchise in and of itself has this interesting thing about how like it ignores its own continuity too. <laughs> um, like at this point with X Men, like you have Days of Future Past which which starts like the future stuff starts taking place after the Wolverine which is after X-men 3 and then they go back in time and they change everything and then the next Wolverine <laughs> movie Logan is takes place after the Wolverine and seemingly in that timeline like it's it's a very strange sort of thing is the continuity I, my brother and i argue about this all the time he's always trying to like mentally flip and make the continuity work and i'm like
2: just stop it it doesn't work <laughs> and they don't
0: care so why do you like just stop yeah.
2: um but that was a great that was a great gag too speaking of continuity and the post-credit scenes oh, the, po- the post was amazing was my,
0: favorite, was my favorite part of the movie
2: that was huh? so great
0: yeah <laughs> you're welcome canada
2: <laughs> oh man. He shoots yes, himself.
1: And another shot at Green Lantern. Yes. Multiple shots at Green Lantern. Yes. Matter of <laughs> fact, I think there's an article out there that D de- that Warner Brothers isn't happy that he keeps taking shots at uh Green Lantern, but uh I think it's deserved. Well deserved. Well, well deserved.
0: yeah, I mean it takes
2: shots at plenty of other things too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Most of them Warner Brothers and that- things. And and the previous incarnation of Deadpool, which as well does it. That's the other thing. It's like, that's one of the things that I walked away from this movie at was uh, an increased, renewed level of anger and frustration at how badly they've done adapting this stuff in the past. Uh, I, I don't like, know
0: that I agree with that. I mean, granted, not all X-Men films are created equally, but they've...
2: Not, not 100%. From time to time. Like certain things. Like Deadpool. And... juggernaut and uh and uh you know just just some of these movies were just some of these shots at it were so bad and stuff that i was really looking forward to and it will it reminded me of how it really put a highlight on how badly they had done when this movie did it so well
0: well i don't i mean i i i have a slight departure from you guys on on the take on juggernaut which i loved up until they defeated him, because I'm like, you don't beat the Juggernaut. I mean, I don't, I don't know how many volts were in that thing, and I don't care where it went, but you don't beat, <laughs> you don't beat the Juggernaut with electricity. Like that's not how you. Like he's he's the Juggernaut for a reason. And they and so like I was like, oh, they are doing the Juggernaut right, and I was like, oh no, they didn't. They didn't. But it was, uh, you know, so in some ways, I kind of I kind of liked the Juggernaut in X Men Three. Far from perfect, but um, you know, I felt like this was. Maybe a little bit better, but I still didn't think. But one of the things that I thought was really interesting, because this is in Deadpool universe, is they could, they actually used, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, with Cable, but but this is true of, like, Juggernaut. They actually used the real continuity from the comics, like their real character histories, which in many cases, especially with this cast of characters, are absurd and overly complicated. And, but they used it to their benefit in a Deadpool movie because sort of like the more absurd it is, the more you're just like, ah, that's weird or whatever, or you know, or that's silly and and it works. So when Joggernauts like walk into the Essex house and he's like, well, I wear this helmet so that my brother can't like zap me with his mind powers. Like for those of us that know that his stepbrother is Xavier, like like I know where that comes from, but like he, that's just over the top weird that fits in a Deadpool movie, whereas in <laughs> Whereas in you know another X Men film or in an MCU film or wherever, like you could see that just being like, okay, we're just not going to bring that up, right? In the same right. way that same way that they do with like with Shatterstar when he shows up and he's like, well, I'm an alien from wherever. Totally <laughs> yeah, from Mojo. That was, yeah, about <laughs> Mojo. Like, there's no yeah. way in in any of these other <laughs> films, and so in in. It, in a certain respect, like the adaptation of those characters is more faithful. Like if Shatterstar shows up in yeah. one of the regular X Men films, they're probably not gonna discuss Mojo verse, right? Or or any of yeah. that stuff. Um so in some it ways was. this was this was <laughs> slightly more true to the character, but
2: yeah, it gives you a framework to do that to be a- accurate and faithful to the crazy, crazy stuff that ordinarily only works on the comic book page. Right.
0: And, but the but the the weird thing is, is they only do that with the characters that they like don't care. Like, right. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, that's funny with the juggernaut, but it, it doesn't make any difference. But Cable has one of the most convoluted, maybe the most convoluted like backstory and history of any character ever created
2: <laughs>
0: by any human being.
1: Is it because it keeps changing? Is it's that it? because it keeps changing.
0: And, and I think at this point now, like I think, I think, you know, nobody really knows how it all fits together anymore. And so they're just like, well, I'll just ignore this and I'll do this thing that I want to do with his time travel. I mean, he's like, I don't know. He's like, it's, it's all over the, it's all over the place. But what was weird to me was that like, you like they would dig in and find all the weird stuff on on certain characters but on the characters that they actually wanted you to like follow and sort of buy into cable and domino they they did that same treatment and so which underscores another thing that I thought was interesting not really a complaint about the film but it was interesting that like it's subverting and it's poking fun at all these things that superhero movies do while at the same time it was doing all of those things that superhero movies do like it makes fun of things for setting up you know the obligatory sequels and the spin offs and all this stuff I mean that's exactly what this movie was like if if this movie continues to perform, yeah, they're gonna green light an next Force movie in a heartbeat, like you know what I mean yeah. so yeah, <laughs> so I don't know, like it didn't bother me. I just thought it was weird it felt a little sort of disingenuous, but it was interesting, especially I thought with cable, where you took the the most complicated most bizarre backstory character. And you simplified him down to nothing. His character was simplified down to my wife and daughter were killed. I went back in time to kill the guy that killed him. And that's it.
1: Yeah. No. <clears throat> and, and they probably did that for a lot of different reasons. One, to simplify, but then also because the whole film was about family. Uh, they made it about family.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it doesn't work. I'm just saying oh, it's, yeah. it's interesting that... that uh... You know, it's just it's just interesting to see once you start looking at the choices about where they decided to, like, lean into the silliness. Mm -hmm. It's all quite calculated. Uh, Oh, yeah. Which I just thought was really
2: interesting.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like. uh, Sorry. Go ahead. No, he's a secondary character. And the last thing you want to do is bring somebody with with a convoluted and crazed backstory and trying to, like, explain that when you've got other things going on in the film. So it makes, it makes sense screenwriting-wise to try to simplify it as possible for the audience.
0: It does. Can and uh, it? Oh, Go ahead.
2: Well, I was just going to say that this movie, just speaking about the way that they kind of make fun of, point out, like, all these conventions and still utilize them to good effect... It's kind of it, it. It kind of does for comic book movies uh, what Scream did for horror movies in nineteen ninety six. You know, um, it's like it, it points out like all of these conventions and it makes fun yeah. of them, but at, at the same time, like Scream,
1: still really good horror movie. Yeah,
2: and you know, this is a really good comic book movie.
1: You know, it's interesting. I I stopped reading comics when I went got to college in the early nineties. And then didn't come back to start reading comics until like two thousand and eight, and this character Deadpool that I I did not know, and I remember seeing him in the X Men Origin Wolverine film, and his initial um, uh, where they uh, got appearance him right, by the way, yeah, in the very first scene there I <laughs> thought he was I thought he was he was pretty good, and then then the other then then he came back and I was like I don't know what the hell was going on. Anyway, when I tried to read a Deadpool in the comic book, I didn't quite get him. It took the movie the first one for me to go, Oh, all right. Now I got this character. So when I read Deadpool now I can get the humor. I, I couldn't for whatever reason, because he was so different than anything that I'd ever read before when it came to comic books that I thought, you know, this is a, this, I, I'm not getting this. What's wrong with me here. And then I realized, Oh, that's what they're doing. And, um, uh, but anyway, so I thought the first movie not only, uh, did what you said skid, which I thought was, uh, you know, kind of changed the game a little bit and it was meta and, uh, um, uh, and and making fun of its, its own, uh, tropes and, uh, that I, that I thought, uh, that that it helped me understand the comic book character as well.
2: Yeah. And it's the same thing for me. I, I, because Deadpool kind of became a thing during my gap in comic book reading. Like I read it as a kid and then I took a break until basically I met Andy and uh, Nick Lowe and all the rest of those guys and started getting comics for free so I missed that whole thing too and it was like, you're welcome it took me a those, while to those understand. are the best comics
1: by the way uh,
2: oh yeah by
1: far
0: <laughs> well I'd like to I'd like to point out and this is probably the least controversial thing I've ever said in my life but if you stopped reading at the 90s and then came back in the early 2000s you missed the very best comics that have ever been created <laughs> uh, uh, you, so, you joker so here's so here's one of the things that, that like so you know i was in high school like like my younger high school years even when i was reading cable and deadpool's first appearances and uh you can count me among those that thought that they were awesome Um. And, like, like unabashedly, like I did not understand that they were over the top; they were just awesome, and yeah. uh, and you know, as I grew older, I realized like, okay, they're pretty ridiculous, and you go back, you read that stuff now and and I'm like, oh, wow, this is rough there's but you know there's that nostalgia, there's that charm to it, um you know, certainly, so. So for me, seeing cable on screen was like this really interesting sort of experience of like, oh, this was something that I like, I loved when I was much younger, and here it is again, um, and and it's different than than it was when when I was a kid, and I, you know, I kind of had these sort of like mixed feelings about about you know the the treatment of cable and, and skid, I know you wanted to talk specifically about some of the characters, but like, how did you feel? The adaptation of, of cable specifically was
2: well I, cable is he's another guy that like I've just never really understood because that like you said, he's so complicated. Um his backstory is so convoluted and um but the thing that I love about cable is that he is you know very much kind of inspired by you know Terminator, like a lot of these like stories. And uh, just very serious, very grim, very grim, dark, and they, you know, they make fun of that in the movie. And as, uh, in so far as that, he was so, so perfect uh, to put into this to this movie. Like he and Deadpool, and I know they've used this a good effect in the comics too. He's such a great foil for Deadpool. You know, a guy who's that like goofy and that like self referential, come up with somebody that like. <laughs> that grim and like serious badass you know i just uh i thought it was a great take um and i thought that the chemistry between them was spectacular and i loved it
0: and these characters were i mean they're not new to you james but how, how did you what was your take on their relationship well I, they played?
1: I mean i thought they played um i think they worked well off of each other uh, the, you know, um, he, you know, Cable is definitely the straight man to, uh, to Wade Wilson's Deadpool's, you know, crazy antics. And, and I thought that worked really well. Uh, and Cable is a character. I have a, I have a, uh, a cousin who just loves Cable. He, he was a kid growing up and somehow I think he was on, in a cartoon as well. Oh yeah. He uh, was. And, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> was like Cable's like his favorite character and i'm like you know i'm like i have i don't know cable at all and so then i start researching and i'm like going what he's the son of wh- who what right and, <laughs> and i'm like and i'm like going oh what is what is this this is and so when you say convoluted it makes sense but i thought you know the performances and 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 that kind of design that they did in the film worked fine for me you know i last week i saw back to back there was this double feature so i saw deadpool and i saw deadpool 2 and uh the first one holds up. Uh, matter of fact, every time I see it, I feel like it gets better for me. And then I saw Deadpool uh, 2, and I and I, I liked it, and I enjoyed it, and I had a good time. There were moments where I thought the action set pieces uh, dragged a little. They went a little too long and uh, a little too much action, I thought. And uh, and then I saw it again yesterday, and uh, I it didn't hold up for me. It, it didn't have the same kind of appeal. It It, it lagged. It felt like it was working too hard, which surprised me. I was not expecting that. Uh, I would tell people to definitely go see it. And then, but I think the reason it is, is there's just so many storylines going on here there. You know, you got Deadpool uh, wanting to, he has the death wish to go back to Vanessa, uh, to be with Vanessa, you know, and then you have Cable coming to kill Russell. And then you have Russell who wants to kill the, the headmaster. And then you have Colossal wanting to bring Deadpool to the X-Men. And it's just, there seems to be a lot going on here, and it all fits, but it doesn't always work. So um, uh, that's what I thought of the film itself.
0: Yeah, I had sort of a. I mean, I didn't see it a second time, but I was actually debating. Um, you know, I run the creators workshop on comics experience the online forum, and and you know other comics professionals are on there too, and other fans and whatnot. And so,
1: is that experience were... dot com? Comics. <laughs> i just want to make sure we plug it that's all okay (laughs) but
0: but we we were were. but we were uh but we were you know discussing this and one of the things i said was i wasn't sure like i really enjoyed it but i wasn't sure i wanted to see it a second time um and and so we were kind of debating that and one of the guys on the forum is riley brown who's illustrated like a hundred deadpool comics at this point you know and and so he had seen it twice and he he sort of had a different he thought it held up great, but I think for me, I came out of Deadpool 2 I enjoyed everything, you know. I enjoyed all the characters, the the gags. I enjoyed the action beats. Um, like I had a really good time. But after I walked away, like over the course of the rest of the day, because I saw it in the morning, I realized that my favorite character in the film was Domino.
1: Hmm. Interesting.
0: And that that a thing that that you know it's funny too because Deadpool calls this out as sort of like a like a brave thing that they do but I thought narratively it it did not work for me was killing off Vanessa and I understood where it goes from there I understand how that works and then there's the the correlation with Cable and his family and the whole movie's about family I get it it's all there (laughs) but the thing in Deadpool one that that to whatever degree that movie is grounded like Deadpool one works because on some level I buy into their relationship, and Ryan Reynolds doesn't really sell that relationship. But is it Monica Baccarin? I'm not sure how you say her name. Marina,
2: Marina Baccarin.
0: Marina Baccarin. Yeah, she yeah. like she really sells that relationship in the first film, and she's she's very likable. She's very funny. She's she is able to keep the keep up with the humor of. Ryan Reynolds and the other characters in the bar and she just sells that whole thing. So when she's sort of taken off them out of the picture early on, you know, I felt like it really, I felt like that, that was something that was lacking in Mm -hmm. this, in this film. And it was just, it was sort of like giving them a license to just go full tilt into all jokes and really no heart. And even with cable, and this is part of the, you know, part of, you know, I'm, Now that I've got two kids of my own, I am like predisposed to like, you put a, you put a father and a son on screen and you mess with them. And and like, I'm, I'm an emotional mess. And yet with Cable, like nothing got to me. The little burnt bear didn't get to me. The bear being repaired didn't get back, didn't get me. Like, like I just didn't buy into any of the emotional hooks that they threw out there. It wasn't that they didn't try or that they didn't throw the hooks out there. They just didn't hook me. Um, and, and that's why I think going back, I'd still enjoy some of the jokes. They, they'd lose some of their luster and, you know, the surprises won't be there. I've seen it. But I think that's why Deadpool 1 in the end is going to hold up for me more than this one will. But I did think that some of the action sequences were pretty great.
2: Yeah. Uh, I actually, oh, yeah. I liked this. I didn't expect to like it as much, but I ended up liking it better than the first one. Wow. Um yeah, I was uh, I was very pleasantly surprised at how much I really liked this movie. Um, I I've seen a lot of people complain. I think they call it fridging, just like using the death of uh, of a, a, a love interest at the beginning of the movie to kind of motivate you know the rest of it. Uh, that's fine. I didn't have a problem with that. I thought <laughs> you know what, James. I mean, in real life, that's a terrible thing to do. But in a story, I think it's okay. People aren't real. We understand. Uh, but it's like what James said, uh, it, it made me think of uh, a Lethal Weapon. Yeah. It was like, the, you know, a guy loses his wife and you know, we don't see it, but like that kind of informs, you know, the way that he carries himself and the, the, this personality for the rest of the story, the, the suicidal impulse. You know, I thought it worked. I thought it worked really well. And yeah, I love the action. Like it was obviously the budget was bigger I loved some of the surprises, like <laughs> I lo- you know, and I loved juggernaut, and I loved, <laughs> uh, I loved seeing Colossus back. Like Colossus is so great in these movies, <laughs> and you know the cute little thing with the Negasonic Teenage Warhead and her girlfriend, mm-hmm. like the highway, like that was great. Just that I just uh, well, I really I, loved the, it.
0: I mean, I definitely, I definitely agree with you that that I, I definitely enjoyed this movie more than I thought I would which wasn't to say I went in thinking I wouldn't like it. Cause I really liked the first one. And I went into this one thinking like, I eh, probably won't, you know, hold up as well as the first one. But then, you know, I, I thought it, I thought it did a really good job at being Deadpool too. Yeah. Um, it, it, for me, it it is the movie that after I watched Deadpool one, if I just need more Deadpool, then this would be great, mm-hmm. you know? And I enjoyed Joggernaut. I enjoyed, I especially enjoyed seeing Joggernaut fight. Colossus, and I think don't they? Yeah. Am I remembering correctly? Don't they actually reference Uncanny X Men one eighty three, like
1: on screen? Oh, uh, I, I think, think he, I think he does mention it. There do. was something about I, I yeah. yeah, he does, and of course he also brings up the Rob uh, uh can't draw feet. Yeah, that yeah. was really that was awesome. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, there are a lot of good, <laughs>
0: good, good, good bits like. <laughs> You know, like I really like Colossus and Juggernaut don't fight often enough. Mm-hmm. And Uncanny X Men one eighty three, which they reference in there, is like one of the best X Men comics ever made, um, where Colossus fights Juggernaut. And um, and uh, you know, my favorite, you know, like my favorite twenty two minutes of entertainment ever is the original X Men cartoon, Pride of the X Men, mm-hmm. uh, in which Colossus and Juggernaut fight for approximately. Three point four seconds, uh and it's amazing. <laughs> um, so, wow. yeah, you know, no, it's awesome. to get to this- awesome. That cartoon, but that's getting into. Some- <laughs> I don't even think you can get that like on DVD or anything
1: mm-hmm. anymore. You know, to get to, to um, get to something that you mentioned. Oh, I'm sorry, are you? you- no, yeah. no,
0: no. I was just geeking right. out.
1: No, you had mentioned something about you know you didn't feel <laughs> anything for Cable and the fact that his daughter. Died. I don't think you were supposed to because he's a secondary character. For all of a sudden, you're starting to feel his motivation. That was just to set up his motivation. I mean, the only character. Yeah,
2: I mean, we don't even see them. We don't even see his wife yeah. and well, daughter. I we mean, do, we do but briefly, they're a little, that, they're a little, so little
1: charred. Okay, but right.
0: was, so, was, are you saying that that's an intentional choice that we don't see them because we're not
1: supposed to get as wrapped yes, up? Yes, in... exactly. I mean, uh, you know, if we're supposed because that's really interesting. The only, okay. th- the only thing that we're supposed to, you know, when it comes to writing film, you only have so much ground to cover. We're only supposed to feel something for. Uh, you know, the the main protagonist. I mean, granted, there'll be moments where there's some re- residual effect on certain characters and you may have some kind of emotional reaction. But Deadpool is, a, I mean, uh, Cable is a secondary character and we just need to understand his motivation. We understand with, you know, anybody should understand this. His, his wife and child is killed. He's coming back to get the, the murderer and he's going to kill him before he has a chance to do any, murdering any other uh, children. So that makes sense. Now, the question is, why did it take so long? Listen, if he's already been murdering all these people, why did it take all of a sudden for your your mother and daughter to be you know your wife and uh daughter to be killed to come back and, and kill him if you had this ability all this time. So um but it's a movie.
0: Right. Yeah. Also, you know um lazy unlike, <laughs> unlike <laughs> any right other exactly. time travel movie, time travel doesn't actually make sense in this one. Yeah. Um it's used it's used two different ways. Um but we don't need to get into yeah. that because that's any time the, travel movie. Ever. The one, the one
1: scene <laughs> that was the best scene, that's the best scene in any of these, uh, these two movies, is the, is when, when Wade Wilson has the baby legs. <laughs> I laughed so hard, and everybody was laughing so hard. I don't know what the dialogue was until I saw the, the film a second time, and then I even then I had to kind of like. <laughs> Push down the laughter. That was a hysterical scene. That was well written. That was great. You know, uh, that was pretty great. Yeah. So, uh, kudos to the writers for that. For that that scene. So, um, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Agreed. <laughs>
0: work. Hey, all,
2: right. all right. Speaking of the speaking of the writers, it's kind of a minor miracle that this movie was the the original movie was ever made at all because. I, I remember hearing about this script like floating around Hollywood for the longest time. And everybody's like, this is the most amazing script. No one will make it. Like, there's no way like this is like a superhero movie with all this cursing and sexual content and hyper violence, but it's, it's so good. And like, they're like, no one. Will... And then they finally were able to put together that proof of concepts uh, video, which made it into the original movie of like Wade, the original fight that he has on the highway. It's like, it's basically that, um, and then from on the strength of the, the response from that, they were able to make the first movie, but I'm just so thrilled. Cause like, I, I, I always figured like, I'd always heard about this script and I was like, well, I'll, I'll never see it. And so I'm just, I'm just so happy that it got made. And I'm so happy that it's doing well to show that a movie like this has a place and can be profitable because I want to see more stuff like this.
0: Yeah. I also liked that. I liked some of the more subtle jokes, like, the music that's playing in his death scene is the music from Logan when Logan dies. Oh, and like wow, you know he's got such an obsession with Wolverine that I just thought, like, <laughs> you know, it was just it was just great. But like, but like, I only recognize that because I, I not you know I have I've seen Logan a couple of times and I like it a lot. But like, I have that soundtrack and I really like that soundtrack. Sort of this westerny sort of thing but like mm-hmm. like i was like what what is like it took me a minute to figure it out but that's that is logan's death scene music and so he's like <laughs> he's like co-opting logan's music like even in his death scene he he's still like seemingly like obsessed with Wolverine. oh that it
2: reminds me. there was there was another great sorry there was another great musical gag uh which is when he first sort of dies and is like halfway in the afterlife and is trying to get to Morena Baccarin. Oh, actually, no, actually when he is like able to get to her and they're playing that cover of, of take, take on me. me. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, and you go through the, the, the and it plays out video. exactly like the video.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Cause he steps through like into the other world, the same way in the video. And I was, and I the, was, I was dying laughing. I was like, I thought thought, thought that was great. And and actually
0: I thought that was so great that at the, in the end credits, I was like, where is that bizarre cover of take on me from? So I was waiting for it in the credits to see where, and it's aha from their, like their unplugged album back when I guess. Oh
2: wow. (laughs) So it's them. So it's actually,
0: yeah, it's actually aha. Wow. Uh, Playing that song. And I also like that at the very end of the credits they did the whole joggernaut you know thing from uh, that circulated around the internet fifteen years ago.
2: Did oh the, you, did you well, wait
0: around till the very end?
2: No, because the guy, I was waiting and the guy, the the Usher guy that came by and someone asked him was like, Is there something at the very end? He's like, Oh no, there's nothing at the end. That's it. But there's not, like, there's oh, not there's
0: not an extra scene. It's just it's that it's just that yes, yeah, that song about the Juggernaut. That, oh,
2: well, I still I would have wanted to hear it. Yeah, yeah it's but that was great too. But I like that uh that the that song the holy shit da, 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 you know the other you know their thing <laughs>
1: <It> was great.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, that's the one. So, um, all right. Any any final thoughts on Deadpool two? Either about the adaptation uh, process, accolades, or just the movie in general. I feel like we've covered a lot of it, but uh, skid.
2: I do. There was one thing that I wanted to bring up. This is so nerdy and I don't even think this may not be true. And I don't think anyone on earth, certainly neither of you will uh, understand or appreciate it. And possibly one or two people that end up listening to this. will will hear it after we're like cataloged in the library of Congress, whatever they do, the podcast in the future. But there's a, I think when cable he has the teddy bear, like he has the teddy bear mm-hmm. on him. And I think I don't know this for sure, but the thing that popped to mind, one of the launch titles for the original PlayStation was a game called Loaded, and one of the characters, it's all about you play uh, uh criminals in the future breaking out from this hypermax security prison and going around just killing people. Uh, and one of the characters in the game is a guy. Uh, a character named Frank who has a giant gun it looks a lot like Cable and he has a teddy bear tied to his belt and that character was co-created i just learned this today when i looked it up was co-created by Garth Ennis wow yeah hmm. so that's what popped to mind i don't know if that's true but if that is true that's one of my favorite games ever and that made me very happy
0: that may be that may be why i didn't connect with Cable was because when I saw the bear, I thought of Raising Arizona.
2: Oh. Oh.
0: (laughs) Well, maybe that was it. I like my explanation. (laughs) Your your explanation is is way more geeky. (laughs) Once again, you've established yourself as king of all bears. (laughs) Yeah. That's really what this podcast is about. (laughs) Just hammering (laughs) home. That idea.
2: James right. and he- at the king,
1: you better not miss. You know, it's interesting <laughs> when we were looking, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, at what to read for this. And I would found on the the internet, you know, the, the, all these characters like Bedlam and the, and uh, Domino. And when they first uh, showed up in, um, in comic books and I said, Hey, maybe we could read the, the first appearance of these characters <laughs> and not realizing that Bedlam is in the movie for what, you know, like a few minutes, <laughs> like all these <laughs> characters, because you, you just going and you expected to see these characters throughout the rest, you know, a lot of the film. And then obviously like what, <laughs> that you know, this is perfect for a Deadpool movie, but it's not what I was expecting. So I guess, I guess that was a success. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. And yet you still end that movie with X-Force.
1: Yes. Like with, right.
0: a, with a team of, of superheroes. Yeah. Um, with franchise potential, I, I, uh, exactly. yeah, I mean, I'll go. My final thought again was, uh, I and mean, we didn't really talk about the adaptation of, of Domino, but I thought Domino was great in this movie. Because yes, not only was was the actress, and I don't know her name because I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but I thought she was phenomenal. She's from, uh, I know she's been in Atlanta. She's really good in that too. Um, oh, right. But she, I thought she, not only was she great at pulling it off. And and playing that line of like serious and playful, but never getting like never tipping too far one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um and and just the gags that went along with the debate of whether or not luck was a superpower and how that played out throughout the whole movie and especially the 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 chase scene on the streets, like I just thought
2: like that was she fantastic. was
0: amazing and she played it all perfectly and it was a, it was the perfect combination of a of a pretty dumb power that <laughs> it that like played out beautifully um without really impacting anything like like it wasn't really a uh, a deus ex machina like not really like you could, she could have been in that action scene without luck powers and maybe survived um but it it just made her survival that much more entertaining Um, so I just thought, I just thought she was really, really a a pleasure throughout the whole movie. Like she just, they just nailed how to do that character in a way. And that's not how she is in the comic. She's, she's, you know, she she was the product of the nineties. So she's very brooding and she's very intense and she kills people all the time. And, you know, she's, you know, and, and this version of her, I just thought was phenomenal.
2: It was cracking me up too, because it's like, no, luck is the best superpower you could possibly have. It's like in the Harry Potter. I can't remember which Harry Potter it's in, but they get the, the Phil, Philip, potion or whatever that like gives them like awesome luck for a day. It's like, if you had that all the time, like the story would be over in five minutes. Uh, and one of my heroes, one of my favorite Marvel heroes is, uh, a uh, long shot was the same power. Yeah. And that, that's why I was so tickled when they had. Uh, Shatterstar show up because like he's also from the Mojo verse and you know, all this stuff. So, so so you were like,
0: Shatterstar's here. That means next movie I can get a long shot. (laughs)
2: Yes, (laughs) I really am. I'm I'm still holding out hope. I said, I wrote an article for this Mets blog that I like a few years ago about which Marvel heroes, if I could have Marvel heroes play positions for the Mets, uh, who, who I would pick. And I remember, uh, Long shot was my shortstop, He'd and I short. still stand by that. Was yeah,
0: Gambit, your pitcher, Hawkeye.
2: Um, Hawkeye would be a good choice. I, yeah, I think it was Hawkeye. I think Hawkeye was my pitcher. Uh, Spider Man was in left field. Uh, Captain America is in center. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> perfect. perfect. Spent a lot of time working on. No,
0: no, it sounds like you really thought that. Thought that through as though it was a real choice in the real world. I did. <laughs> <laughs> well you never know. <laughs> no, it could it could happen. No, you're right. You're right.
2: <laughs> you're right. I just want to be prepared in case.
0: <laughs> uh all right, well guys, I think this has been another another fine episode. I hope hopefully our listeners agree and help us spread the word. Um what do we got coming up?
1: James? My God, I'm teaching a screenwriting class on ScreenExperience.com starting June 21st. We have people signing up. It's going to be super awesome.
0: Yes, learn screenwriting. ScreenExperience.com with James. Skid, what's going on? You had some pretty amazing news last week, chatted.
2: Uh, Yes. I. Well, my podcast company, uh, Glass Cannon Podcast, we have three podcasts going right now. We've got our main podcast, Glass Cannon Podcast, playing through the Giant Slayer Adventure Path for um, Pathfinder role-playing game. Uh, We've got uh, our Androids and Aliens uh, podcast, a science fiction role-playing game based on the Starfinder system. And, uh, I'm running my own game, uh, on the ruins of Aslant, uh, adventure path for Paizo. That's for subscribers only. Uh, but we just moved into a new studio space, uh, which is spectacular. I love it. And I'm also, this will be after this airs, uh, really is released, but, uh, we, the bunch of us are going to PaizoCon in Seattle, uh, on Thursday and we're going to be the media guests of honor over the course of the week. So, uh, I hope I saw some of you listening there, or maybe I didn't. I don't know, but <laughs> as time time travel is unpredictable at best, so yeah. we shouldn't Indeed. even speculate.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, this same this weekend I'm going to Houston for Comic Palooza, where I am also a guest, although not the media guest of honor. <laughs> I am.
2: Simply, One day, man.
0: Simply, a guess you will get there. Uh, where I'm, I'm there. actually doing five panels, and I'm doing a host of portfolio reviews for artists. So, if you're interested in breaking into comics and working in comics, uh, and you're, you know, at Comic Palooza, come, come find me. I will be near the Sourcepoint Press uh, booth, uh, but only when I'm not doing the five panels and the portfolio reviews. So I don't know how much time I'll actually have at my table. Um, uh, Yeah, I've got I've got a bunch of stuff in the hopper that I can't quite talk about yet, but I'm chomping at the bit to to discuss Um, June 16th, uh, which I remember because it's my wife's birthday. So happy birthday in the future, honey, uh, is also the day (laughs) that that the Comics Experience Guide to Writing Comics. uh, That is the the street date for that book, which you can which you can get at Barnes and Noble. Um, indie bookstores, you can get it at Amazon, you know, if you do that. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, books a million. Um, but it's, it's a full book on, you know, really brass tacks on how to write comics, how to flesh out your story, how to build compelling characters, and then how to do that all in the, and, and write compelling comic book scripts that, and not just tell the artists what you want the page to be on the page, but inspire them to do to do great work so yeah hmm. old book and that's a big took a long time to write it so i hope people awesome yeah all right well that's it thanks guys thanks listeners and uh we'll see you next time except yeah, see you next time not because it's audio it's not visual at all bye-bye jimmy right. Chunka. bye <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to Pages to Pictures, brought to you by ScreenExperience.com and ComicsExperience.com. Please leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast. Thanks.